Well, good morning once again, Poplar Springs. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 17. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. It begins, Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. That is God's word and that's what we'll be looking at today. I'll pray in just a moment, but before we get there, I just want to remind you Uh, We're we're picking back up in our series called Like a Tree, Like a Tree, and that may sound like an odd uh, series title, but what we're looking at is this vision that God has for us that we've drawn from Psalm chapter 1 and John 15, Uh, and and our our goal is to, to see this vision God has for us of what our lives can and should be like as Christians, as those who have trusted in Christ Jesus what he can make our lives into, the, the, the vision he has for us. And so we studied from Psalms 1 that, that, that God wants us to be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. That's God's vision for your life. And as we read just a moment ago in John 15, uh, we, we see that God wants us to be like a branch in the true vine, namely Jesus, and that that we are abiding in that vine as branches, finding our life and our power and our sustenance and our fruitfulness in him. This is God's vision for our lives, that we be incredibly fruitful. Doesn't that sound nice? Uh, This isn't in my notes. This is just something I've been thinking through, but so much as I read John chapter 15, God is serious about your, your life being fruitful. Jesus says right there at the beginning, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. What is the desire of a vine dresser, of a gardener? Their, their purpose, their whole desire is that the plants that they tend to, the vine that they tend to, the branches would be fruitful, right? That's, that's the whole purpose of a vine dresser. And then as you go through this chapter just over and over again, this is God's desire for us that we be fruitful, and that's his vision for us, the way our lives can and should be. But this week, 
I, I want to look not so much at, at how to abide. Last week we looked at that, right? We looked at how uh, Christ's words abide in us, and that's part of abiding in Christ and, and having this fruitfulness is his, his word abiding in us. But this week we're not going to look so much at how to abide, but we're going to look at a distinct and beautiful benefit of abiding in him. We're going to look at this, this beautiful promise that God gives us, that if we will abide in him, this is the fruit that will be uh, bearing in our lives. And I, I'll draw your attention uh, back to the text in John 15, verses 7 through 8. Verses 7 and 8. Jesus says this. This is the, the distinct benefit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I mean, do you see that? Do you see what an incredible promise, a bold-faced promise from Jesus? He says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I mean, I think we could sit here all day and just think about what an incredible promise that is. I mean, you think about it. God is infinite. God is omnipotent. That means he can do anything and everything when we are so limited and finite. And he says to us, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You think about that God is entirely sovereign. He is in complete control, ruling over every single thing that happens in this world. He has it planned out from beginning to end. And yet he still says, you look around. You see what, what you think needs to be done. You tell me and I'll do it. I will use your prayers to fulfill my sovereign will. Ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. This is, this is just an incredible thing. An incredible honor that God gives us. I mean, you, you think about uh, having the, this purpose and the, this meaning uh, in existing I mean, you talk about having a great vision for our lives, that, that we, we see things that, that need to happen and we ask God for them and he does them and by that we are fruitful and by that he is glorified, by that uh, others receive good and by that we receive great joy. This is what Jesus is promising us. This is an incredible vision. This is an incredible vision and it really is. But before we even go down that route too much further, I want to tell you, when I read this passage, when I think about and meditate on this passage, I, I have a burden come on my heart. I kind of see um, a likely problem. This may not be all of you, but I know for sure it's some of you. You might hear this promise, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And you might say, yeah, I, I believe that intellectually. But if you honestly think about it, you, you can't say, I see that experientially. You, you might say, okay, I believe that it is true that Jesus can do those things. But it is not necessarily true in my own life, in my own experience. And, and really, the... The sad thing is, many of us simply assume this is just the way it's going to be. I'm never going to be able to just ask whatever I wish and it be done for me. That doesn't happen. I don't see that. I, I'll never have that kind of power in prayer. I'll never have that kind of impact. I'll never have that kind of sway with God. And, and the, the tragedy is, many of us think, okay, that's just the way it is. So I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to keep floating through this life, acting like everything's okay. But, but you, you think about what a tragedy that is, that, that God has purchased us with the blood of his son. He's made us this incredible and great promise, this incredible opportunity to glorify him. And we're going to say, eh, I'll never experience that. What a tragedy. What a waste. That is, unless we, we learn to look at God's promise, figure out why we're not experiencing that, and figure out what can change 
How can I be one who asks whatever I wish and it is given to me? This is what we're going to look at because this is a benefit of abiding that Jesus clearly gives us. So, so we're not going to stop at, well, that'll never be me. Well, this is just the normal Christian life. It probably is, sadly, uh, the normal Christian life, but that, that doesn't need to be us. God has a greater vision for us. When I say normal Christian, I don't mean normal what God calls good and normal. I mean normal what people accept and, and just live with. We are not going to be content with mediocrity, with, with powerless living and purposeless living. So we're going to try and look at God's word and see what the problem might be in our lives and what the solution is that he gives us that we might use, I guess you could say, and experience this great promise. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. I wanted to set you up where we're going before we even lift this up in prayer. Father God, we see this incredible vision for our lives. And Lord, I, I know on behalf of myself at times and on behalf of, I'm sure, many in here, we confess that this vision is not fully a reality in our lives. God, would you make us want this vision? And Lord, would you make this vision true in our lives? Let us experience your glory and let us be used for your glory, God. I pray that you would do this impossible thing in our hearts by your word and by your spirit. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we need to do, I believe, is diagnose the problem. Why don't we experience this power in prayer? Why isn't it that we read that promise, we say, okay, he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Don't, why don't we say, yep, I know, that's, that's the way it is for me. Jesus said, and, and yeah, that I experienced why, why don't we experience that? Now, I will say, some of you, maybe you, you, you do experience this, and, and I praise God for that. He's done this work in your heart and in your life. Keep going. <laughs> I love it. But for the rest of us, let's, let's look at this. Let's diagnose this problem. And I'll tell you, this honestly is probably going to hurt. I, I just got to be straight up with you. It's probably going to hurt. It hurts me as I study this, as I think through why this is less true in my life than it should be. Uh, we, we know that, that God's word is living and active. It, it cuts. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and that often hurts. But there is an incredible benefit if we will let God's word go ahead and cut us. Go ahead and do its surgery. Go ahead and do its work. So this may hurt, but let's, let's look into it, okay? This is number one if you'd like to write something down. <clears throat> The diagnosis for the problem. Why don't we experience this? Number one, a weak abiding, sorry, a weak abiding life makes for a weak prayer life. A weak abiding life uh, makes for a weak prayer life. Say, Jeff, that's not very nice. I know, I'm talking to myself too up here. Don't worry, <laughs> we're all in this boat together. What I mean by that, a weak abiding life makes for a weak prayer life is... If we aren't uh, deeply abiding in Christ, the type of abiding that Jesus is talking about here, this, is, this is, includes salvation, yes, but it's more than salvation. It's digging in, it's seeking Jesus, looking to Jesus, looking to him as our source of, of satisfaction, satisfaction, looking to him as our source of power. If we are not abiding in Jesus, being trained by Jesus, then we will have a weak and ineffectual prayer life. That, that is what I mean there. And again, that, that may sound harsh, but that's really what we can conclude from what Jesus says there in John 15, 7. Again, look at it with me. John 15, 7. If, uh, I'm not going to tell you to underline things, but if, that's in your Bible, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That, that word if at the beginning of verse 7 
is a condition. It, this, it's setting up a conditional statement. If you do this, then this will be the result. This will be the benefit. So in, in this case, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is a conditional statement. So those, we can conclude that those who are truly and deeply abiding in Christ and his words are are abiding in us, Christ's words are dwelling in us richly, that people who are doing that, they have this privilege and they experience this type of power in prayer. They're abiding and his words are abiding in them, so they ask and their prayers are granted. Now, we, we can turn that around. We need to look at the inverse there if we're going to diagnose the problem, right? Because basically all I've said is what the verse says. Let's think about this. Let's, let's do this work with me. If that is true, what we've just said, if what Jesus just said is true, then what are we to conclude if that is not our experience? What are we to conclude if, if our prayer life is, is little if there, and what we do pray for never seems to get answered, what are we to conclude? Well, I mean, to me, the, the conclusion, again, is painful but obvious. Well, it means that you're not meeting the condition. You are not deeply abiding. His word is not abiding in you in, in this deep, uh, powerful way. Because otherwise, that power would be there. That privilege would be utilized in your life. Our abiding life is weak, so our prayer life is weak. We aren't seeking Jesus with everything we've got. We're not letting God satur- God's word rather saturate and indwell us. We're, you know, we talked last week about making room for God's word and then just letting it pour in and fill us deeply. If we don't have this privilege and power in prayer, then evidently those things are not happening because this is a promise that Jesus gives us. If you abide, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I want to show you that this isn't um, the only place we see this in Scripture. If you want to, turn to James 4, verses 2 and 3. James 4, verses 2 and 3. And we could look at this whole passage and how it um, also applies here. And it actually is, the, the wording there in James 4 is stronger probably than the words I'm going to use. But <clears throat> James 4, verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to pick up uh, there at the end of verse 2. The end of verse 2, James says this. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And then verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I mean, that is quite an indictment against us, isn't it? You know why you don't have uh, this powerful prayer life? Well, you don't have because you don't ask. You're not asking God for these things. It's it's interesting. I, I think of our own lives. Are you constantly asking God to do impossible things? Are you petitioning God? Are you spending time with God, pleading with Him that He would do these things in prayer? I mean, we we say we believe that He answers our prayer. We say that He is omnipotent and can answer our prayer. And yet James says of us, possibly, you do not have because you do not ask. And I would say, well, why don't we bother asking this omnipotent, powerful, glorious, majestic God, our Father? Well, we're not really abiding in Him. His words aren't abiding in us. And so we don't have this motivation. We don't have this mindset to be taking everything to God in prayer, right? That's the last song we just sung. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But then he goes on, doesn't he? He says in verse 3, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it 
on your passion. So evidently, there is a, a type of prayer that God does not honor, that God does not answer because it is uh, wrongly prayed. It is prayed with the wrong motivations, the wrong desires behind it. It says there, you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so you ask and you do not receive. That's a diagnosis of the problem that we, we brought up at the beginning, isn't it? Well, what does it mean to ask wrongly? I mean, I, I've kind of talked about that, these wrong desires. Look with me if you can turn back to John 15. John 15 and verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus says this. It's a very similar statement, but look, we need to look at what he adds here. <clears throat> he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Oh. There's something in addition Jesus asked there, or uh, uh, gave us there. Or maybe not in addition. Maybe it's just another way of saying the same thing. He says there, the condition, whatever you ask, must be in my name, and he will give it to you. That, that's what we see there in John uh, 15, verse 16. We actually see the same thing in John 16, verse 23. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And again, there's just many uh, times that this is there, but that's, yeah, 16, verse 23. It says it again. So evidently, there's this, this other way of saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and that is, if you're asking in my name. So we need to understand then what it means to ask in Jesus' name, don't we? You say, well, I know what it is to ask in Jesus' name. You, you pray your prayer, and then you say, in Jesus' name, amen. Right? I've asked in Jesus' name. I stamped it right there at the end. No, that is not what it means to ask in Jesus' name. In fact, us saying that at the end is really just to, meant to be a reminder of this truth that I am giving you uh, right now. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? I'll, I'll tell you, it means a lot of things, and I'd like to go through more, but I want to focus on what most closely pertains to what we're talking about. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray as a representative mouthpiece of Jesus. So if, if I were to um, send you up over there to Ace Hardware, and we have an account with them, uh, you know, our cards on file or whatever, if I were to send you up there and say, hey, go grab a can of paint and, and purchase it in my name, what does that mean? It means, well, you're representing the pastor of Poplar Springs Baptist Church who he has authority to, to put things on this account, to purchase things with this account. You're, you're not making your own request. If you go up there and say, hey, put this on Poplar Springs, this is all, you know, for my house, and that would not be in my name. Does that make sense? That would be theft. <laughs> but to go there in my name would say, this is, this is a task that Pastor Jeff has given me. This is something that he is purchasing. So I'm here and I'm requesting this in Jeff's name. In the same way, when we come to God in Jesus' name, we are making a request that could just as easily come out of Jesus' mouth as out of our mouth. If Jesus were sitting there in your prayer seat, in your shoes, he could have the very same words come out of his mouth, making the same request of the Father. That is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, we say, God, these are the requests of Jesus who by his spirit indwells me and his desires, his uh, requests are coming out of my mouth and I am requesting them from you, Father God. That is what it means to pray in my name. Do you see how Jesus saying, if you ask in my name, is really just another way of saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will certainly ask things in my name. You're abiding in me. You're saturated with me. You're saturated with my words, my desires. And so you will ask the Father things in my name as a representative mouthpiece of Jesus. And so we're getting back to the diagnosis. 
Why don't we have this type of prayer life? Why don't we see this type of power in our prayers? Is it possible that we are not asking in Jesus' name? Truly, not just tacking it on at the end, but truly the words that he would speak. And what that means is that we are not meeting the condition Jesus gives us in verse 7. That if, my, if you abide in me, if you abide in Jesus and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Is it possible that we are not deeply enough abiding in Christ and his words are not richly enough abiding in us? And so the words that come out of our mouths, as James said, are asked wrongly to spend it on our passions. Jesus absolutely gives us an incredible promise, but it is a conditional promise. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. I, I, Hallie and I, we talked about this at the dinner table last night, and I told her, man, these, these things hit me hard because I, I think about my own prayer life. I, I, I think about, okay, what do I pray about when I, when I lift my voice to God? Are they things that Jesus would bother praying about? Are they things that Jesus desires, things that are on Jesus' heart? Or are they just, Father, help me make it through today. Help me in my studies. Lord, I mean, I think about it and I say, man, sometimes... My, my, my prayers are, are just so impotent because they're so not packed with Jesus and his name and his uh, reputation and his worth and his desires. So I ask the same question to you. Are you praying in Jesus' name? Are you so abiding in him and his words abiding in you that you're really just asking him the same things he would ask? This, this is a, a difficult thing and there, there are caveats here. God, um, we, we do have finite minds. We don't have infinite wisdom like our Father. And so, no, our prayers will not always be answered in the exact way we want them to, with the exact timing, the exact circumstances, the exact methods we might desire. Or maybe the thing that we're asking for isn't correct at all. Jesus, uh, um, Paul says that we, we don't uh, know what to pray for as we ought in Romans 8. So the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He corrects our prayers, as it were. <laughs> but that, there, that should not be the trend, that everything you pray for is not in line with God's will. That's painful, isn't it? It's painful to realize, maybe the reason I hear a promise like that, an incredible promise, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, if that seems impossible for my life, maybe it's because I am not abiding in Christ the way that I should. Maybe it's because his words are not abiding in me. There are other reasons, once again, that our prayers may not be answered, but uh, I already talked about God's wisdom, but there are other ones that are equally not as good. God talks about if we're not obeying him. Husbands, if you're being harsh with your wives, he says uh, that, that pr our prayers won't be answered. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in that context about disunity and lack of love. There are other reasons, but all of that really just points back to, well, are you abiding in Christ and are his words abiding in you? That, that, that is painful. That is, uh, it would be harsh if we didn't have the answer, right? If there weren't an antidote to this diagnosis. So, the answer is right there. It is plain as day. All I've done is hopefully reveal to us that the problem may be there in our lives. A weak abiding life makes for a weak prayer life. But, we can just take what Jesus said and see that the inverse is true. And so, I'll give you this number two if you want to write something down. A transformed life makes for a powerful prayer life. A transformed life. One who is abiding in the words abiding in him. That transformed life makes for a powerful prayer life. 
this answer really is so uh, simple in one sense, what we're going to look at, but in another sense it is um, one of the most life-altering decisions and just every moment changing. The, the answer, as we see Christ gives, uh, give us here, is if we want this benefit, if we want to have this power in prayer, if we want to see God glorified, others receive good, and, and our joy be full, then all we need to do, John 15, 7, is if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We have been offered this incredible promise. But the promise comes with a condition. Abide. Let my words abide in you. Then ask. You might say, well, how does this make any difference? And I've been trying to sort of uh, run this through what I've been talking about already, but I kind of want to break it down. As we saw in verse 16, Jesus said, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So we saw that, that this condition is that things would be in Jesus' name, the same words Jesus would use. And so the plain and simple fact is, as you are abiding in Christ, and as his words are abiding in you, you will be transformed into the type of person that asks in Jesus' name. Because, I mean, you think about it. The, the reason we don't pray for these things, the reason we pray for other things, is that maybe we just don't really care enough about the things of God to pray. Again, think about it. When you have something that, that really comes alarming, you know, uh, you hear about someone gets in an accident, uh, maybe, you know, a car wreck or whatever, all of a sudden you start praying. You have this, God, please help them. Please help them to pull through this. And we beseech God and we urge God and we say, God, please do this. And we go to him in prayer. Why? Because in that moment we really care about what we're praying about. There are so many things in God's word. There are so many things in this world that we absolutely should care about that we may not yet be praying for. So, what we need is not just to begin praying, although that's part of the avenue to get there into this abiding life. What I'm not telling you is just to, to pray big prayers, although, again, that's good. What I'm telling you and what God's Word is telling us is what we need in order to pray big prayers, in order to have those prayers answered, is to abide in Christ and His words abide in you. Again, this isn't the only place we, we see this in, in uh, Scripture, that this, this truth uh, of our wills, our desires being changed, our goals being changed. Seriously, think about your goals in life. If you were to just say, write down right now, pull out a piece of paper, here are my life goals. I wonder how much those would be the exact same goals of Jesus and how many of those would just be worldly goals. I'm telling you, these things are piercing to me. <laughs> And I want more for us. I want us to have this benefit. So what do we need? We need our hearts changed. Again, we see this. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Pause. Even in its desires, its passions, its goals, the, the, the things that it values, we value. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That by testing you may know uh, what Jesus would pray. (laughs) Don't be conformed to this world. Don't pray for all the things that the worldly people would pray. I mean, you may pray for those as well, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you can test, then you can discern what God would really have you pray. Then you can know what it would be to pray in Jesus' name. This happens only as we abide in Christ and in His Word. And as we do those things, the Holy Spirit is transforming us by the renewal of our minds. Again, we see... Uh, Another place, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. 
if then you have been raised with Christ, that is, if you've been saved, you've been raised to, to this new life, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I mean, that, that's really saying very similar to, to what we have here. Um, you are now a branch in the vine. It said there at the end, um, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are plugged into the vine. So now seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are below. Not on these piddly, trivial things. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to, to mock our prayers and the things that we do desire. It's not that they're bad and it's not that we shouldn't ask God for them even. We see even uh, again in Colossians 3, uh, moving down to verse 16. So after this seeking uh, of Christ, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't that the same thing as saying, And my words abide in you? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen to this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whoa. So if you're seeking the things that are above, and if, if, and if the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly, then whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of of Jesus. Do everything as a representative of Jesus. Do everything that Jesus would do. Maybe we need to pull out our old bracelets, our old WWJD bracelets. Say, what would Jesus do? That bracelet's not going to be enough, you know, because <laughs> we need God's word uh, piercing us and we need to abiding, abide and seek him. But it would be a good reminder. What would Jesus do? Are my goals in line? Are my actions in line? Are my prayers in line? If they're not, maybe I'm not being transformed by the renewal of my mind. If, if I'm not, maybe I'm not seeking the things that are above. But, again, this isn't all negative. We can be transformed by the renewal of our mind. We, we can seek the things that are above. It says there, if you have been raised with Christ, if you're a Christian, then seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christian, you have the ability to seek the things that are above. You have the ability to let Christ's word dwell in you richly. And when you do that, once again, you will be transformed into the type of person who prays in Jesus' name. Your desires, your goals, your pursuits, the things that you would lift to God in prayer become conformed to the very same things Christ Jesus would pray for. I mean, let me just give you just a, a short example of that. You know, Jesus, uh, Matthew 28, tells us, uh, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? We see, okay, this seems to be a big deal. I mean, that, that's just one example. This is all through Scripture, to go make disciples, be my ambassadors. You know, uh, th this, this is what we have, and we know this is a desire of God. And so we should all confidently come before God and say, God, would you help me to make disciples? God, would you help me to be an ambassador today? Not just, I, God, would you help work to go well? God, would you help the kids to behave well today? God, would you help me to be a part of your work in bringing someone from death to life? God, would you help me be a part of taking someone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved son? God, would you help me take someone who is destined to eternal torment in hell and bring them to eternal pleasure in your presence? God, would you use me to do that? God, my neighbor, I know they, they don't know you. God, will you use me to reach my neighbor? God, will you use other people to use my neighbor? When your goals, your pursuits start to be saturated with Christ and transformed by Christ, all of a sudden your desires change and you will pray from a deep heart, a longing heart for the very same things Jesus would be praying for. And those are prayers, my friends, that God is delighted to answer. May not be in your time, may not be your way, your methods. God's wisdom is greater 
but he delights to give his children good gifts. When we ask him in prayer, when we are asking in Jesus' name. And we remember all of this is, is what we desire. Again, I've talked to so many of you. You want your life to be powerful and different. You want this church and your family to be powerful and different. You want to reach this community. You want to reach the world. That is what this is all about. We can become fruitful. We can do this for the glory of God. Again, uh, 15, 7, and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so be my disciples. Verse 7 is giving us the way we can accomplish. Verse 8, by this, you can be, uh, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. You want to bear fruit? Abide in Christ. Let his words abide in you. Then ask him to do impossible things through you. Remember that this is for the good of others as well. Verses uh, 16 and 17 of, of John 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Wow. This is fruit that benefits other people. It grows Christians. It, it, it seeks out the lost this is what happens when we are abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in us and our desires are changing and we're asking, we're bearing fruit. People around us are benefiting. We're talking not just they, they, they got a better job or a raise or had a happy day. No, we're talking eternal, spiritual blessings that they are benefiting from. And I would also say by this fruitfulness, you will find that deep abiding joy you're looking for. Again, you can maybe turn over the page, John 16. Look at verse 23 and 24. Kind of picking up in the uh, middle of verse 23. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. God gets the glory other people get the good, and you get the joy. This is incredible. This is an incredible blessing God has for us. God has laid out the bake, banquet table for you, the finest foods, the finest blessings. And he says, all you need to do to dine at this table, to enjoy this blessing, is abide. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Then ask then ask and it will be given. You will get to taste of this table that has been laid out, of this promise that has been given. But the question, of course, for us today is, are we going to hear this and then move on and say, that will never be me? Or are we going to believe God, catch his vision, and walk in this life he has laid out before us? That, that's the question. Are we going to be satisfied with mediocre lives that are occasionally fruitful, almost on accident? You, you could say the breadcrumbs bread fall from this banquet table, and we, we get a little bit. We get, we get to taste a little bit of this fruitfulness for God. Are we going to be satisfied with that, or are we going to take Jesus at his word? That if we abide in him, his words abide in us, then we can ask whatever we wish, and it will be done for you. I mean, you think about it. This is why God can say in uh, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is really all the same promise wrapped in one another. Abide in Christ. Let his words abide in you until you are so delighting in the Lord that he can give you the things that your hearts desire. That is what we want because that is the fruitful life that we want. That is the God-glorifying life we want. That is the other's life-changing life that we want. This is the joy-filled life that we want with a deep, uh, not a fleeting joy. I hope and pray that God will convince you of this today, that this promise is true and that it can be yours. You can experience it, if you will, but abide and let his word words abide in you. I want to give one final thought here, though, an encouragement, just something that as I was thinking and 
saying, you know, okay, I, I, I don't want to make this some works-based thing. It is conditional, but we need to remember that even this abiding, even his words abiding in us and transforming, that's not our work. We work, but he's working, right? And even more encouraging, maybe, this is, this is just a, a point I want to give you. Jesus prayed for this for your life, and he is still continually praying for this for your life. Why is that important? Well, let's think about the criteria for powerful prayer. They must abide in him. Does Jesus abide in the Father? Yes. Uh, John 17, 21, just kind of thrown in there, he says, You, Father, are in me, and I in you. Jesus perfectly abides in the Father. Perfectly. He perfectly meets that criteria. Does the, the Word dwell in Christ? I mean, that's kind of a weird thing. Jesus is the Word incarnate, right? Jesus is the Word of God. Every word that came out of his mouth was the Word of God. John uh, 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is perfectly filled with the Word of God, the words of God, the desires of God. Jesus perfectly meets this criteria for power in prayer. Perfectly. And this is what Jesus prays, among other many great things. You could really just read all of John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. He prays it for his disciples, but not for them only, but for those who will believe all, all those who will believe, that's you and me. And here's just one thing Jesus prays for in there. John 17, uh, verses 15 through 19. Jesus says this. I, he's praying to the Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus is praying that you'd be kept from the evil one. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus has prayed for your sanctification. Jesus has prayed for your desires to change, for your goals to change, for your prayers to change. Jesus has prayed for that. He perfectly meets the criteria in both Romans and Hebrews, tells us that Jesus is now continually interceding before the Father on our behalf. You are not doing this alone. Yes, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work friends, knowing that it is God working in you. Pray, friends, knowing that Christ has prayed for you. Abide in him. Let his words abide in you, knowing that he has prayed that you would be sanctified in the truth. His, your word is truth. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging for me. As a person who sometimes, you know, struggles. And I, again, I look back and I say, what am I praying for? Where, if, if my prayers are a diagnosis of my desires, I need my desires changed. But I thank God that Jesus, the one with the perfect power in prayer, has prayed that that very thing would happen in my life and in your life. But that doesn't mean we are inactive. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Friends, you have to decide whether or not you will partake of this blessing. You have to decide whether or not your life will be fruitful. You have to decide whether or not God will be glorified, others will receive good, and that you will have this deep joy. You are going to have to decide that. You have to decide to abide in Jesus, to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. You have to decide to let his words abide in you, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You have to decide to do that. God is working in you, but it doesn't happen by, by magic. We don't just put this under our pillow at night or on our nightstand and it magically flows into us. No, we've got to dig in and let it abide in us. Make room. And when we do this, when we decide to do this, and by God's power it happens in our lives and we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, you will ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What an amazing benefit of being like a tree 
of being like a branch in the vine. God desires your fruitfulness. He is the vine dresser. He is the one who is pruning in your life. He is the one who is watering you and growing you and making you fruitful. But we have to do our part. We do. If my words abide in you, or sorry, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let's pray. Father God, on behalf of myself at times and um, many in this room, I repent of my lack of abiding in you, of my lack of seeking the things that are above, not the things that are below. I repent of that, God. God, I pray that you would take away the distractions that this life brings and set our eyes firmly on your beloved Son. Let us look to Him as the founder and perfecter of our faith. And God, from that, let us be transformed. Let our desires be transformed. Let our life goals be transformed. Lay burdens on our hearts that would be the very same that your Son would pray, God. And Lord, let us cry out to you, believing that you will answer. Father, I pray with Paul in Ephesians that the people of this church, that to the people of this church, you may give the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which you have called us, what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your great might that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places? Grant us, God, to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we, may, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.